Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. As a reminder, we have now split this podcast into two weekly episodes. So this show comes out on Tuesday, and it will be the news of the week and the restaurants of the week. And to do that, it is time to introduce my co-host this week. She is a beverage consultant who has created the cocktail programs for a number of successful bars and restaurants. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, El Topo, the restaurant in West U, announced that it is going to undergo some major changes, courtesy of a new partnership with Benji Levitt, the owner of Local Foods. They are going to close in the next couple of weeks for a comprehensive set of renovations. And when they reopen, the restaurant will be known as Teshika, and it will feature an interior design by Brittany Vaughn and a counter service model inspired by Birdie's, which is a natural wine bar and restaurant in Austin. Linda, I want to I want to spend a few minutes on this. So let's start with kind of what are your what are your overall thoughts on El Topo? I know I mean it's a restaurant I've been to quite a bit. I know you've been there. What do you, what do you think happened? Like what what brought them to this point where they basically have to reboot the whole thing? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think that, well, first off, I have so much respect and love for Topo and that team and so on and so forth. But like, I honestly think that it's a, it's a know your neighbor and know your neighborhood situation. You know, I mean, we did, I mean, I did, I redid the the bar program at Hungry's years ago and the sort of things that we originally started talking about with that neighborhood was how can we better serve, serve them? I, I think Topo and, and that team is, is fantastic, but that neighborhood doesn't want something that elevated. And if they do, they want to have like really top notch service. So an in between, um, I mean, in all honesty, I think the Topo would crush in the middle of, of Montrose or in River Oaks. But that neighborhood has a, has a different demographic. It's more you need to be more kid friendly, and I, I didn't I, I don't necessarily see that room being filled with a lot of a lot of families. I think that's a that's a couple's dinner and a couple of other things. But I just I just think that it's just it's just the neighborhood. And I mean, I think that all neighbor, all not all neighborhoods, but if you're going to be in a neighborhood, you need to really, really understand that demographic. Well, and and I think to your point, right, the Tiny's number five, right, the the sister restaurants, Tiny Boxwoods, is right down the street from them. You know, walking distance, yeah. and is busy all the time with that kind of fast casual model. Maybe a little more elevated at dinner, but it is that kind of bistro fare. It's really pretty inside. I, I think Topo, I mean, the food at El Topo has always been outstanding. I've had Chef Tony Lerman on the podcast before. You know, that that barbacoa taco he does is great. The the brisket suadero taco that he rolled out somewhat recently is great. Their smash burger's delicious. You know, it's never been about the food, but they've also, they've tried to be sort of two things, right? They want to be kind of a casual, elevated taqueria for lunch and then do some like more serious plated entree, steak, seafood, that kind of thing at dinner. And so I, I do agree with you. I think maybe that aspect of it was somewhat confusing for people. 
And then he built it, he built it on a shoestring and they opened right before COVID shut down. So it didn't get that initial push of excitement that it, it should have. Uh, and they got some press in 2021 I, Texas monthly said it was one of the best new restaurants of the year. You know, we nominated for a couple of tastemaker awards, but I do think it's, it's, it didn't quite connect with the neighborhood, which is why I'm so excited that he's actually partnering with Benji Levitt uh, because Benji knows that area really well, right? Local foods has been a big hit in Rice Village. He's opened Lee's Den, the wine bar. He's opened O'Tour, the, the French restaurant that opened earlier this year. And, and they're doing well and they connect with people. And that's, you know, it's only a few blocks away. So I, I think from that perspective, this new partnership is going to be really fruitful. Well, and not only that, but Benji is a, you know, what I really love about Benji just in general is, is that he closed down. Um, I cannot remember, remember his, his original restaurant. Um, Benji's. Oh, it was Benji's. It was Benji's. Benji's. Yeah. And it was his namesake and, you know, and it was really incredible and it, it had a lot of talent come in and out, but like when it was time for him to rebrand, there was no, pro- there was like, his ego wasn't too big enough to be like, oh, I need to have something that has my name on it. He understood the writing on the wall that, hey, we need to change our model. And local foods came from that. And I really, I have a lot of respect for restaurant, restaurant tours, restaurant people, hospitality that, hey, look, let's, let's change this. Um, and I think, and I, I just, I have a lot of respect for, for people that have the ability to not let their egos ride on, on what you think dining is. Right, right. Well, and you know, local foods and Benji's existed side by side for years. Benji's the fine dining restaurant. They rebooted it. They they cut it. They, they redid the whole menu. They, you know, Ceci Gardner did some consulting for them and they, they rolled out this new menu and, and they changed up the design a little bit. And then the pandemic happened and all of the local foods locations started doing, you know, not just not just food to go, obviously, which had always been part of it, uh, but but grocery items to go. And that was that freaky period when, you know, it was hard to get into grocery stores. Uh, but people really embraced that. And Rice Village doesn't really have a grocery store. So they they converted Benji's into local foods market. And now it sells gourmet products from around the world and people love it. And they have oh, some yeah. hot items too. And oh, yeah, so yeah. he he is that kind of visionary, right? Benji's was one of the first restaurants to really like embrace local sourcing. You know, Bobby Hugel, that was one of his first bartending jobs, was working at Benji's. So, you know, it, it has this kind of fun place in the history of Houston dining as like this incubator for a lot of good ideas that that were flushed out. And so that kind of experience and that kind of insight into what people really want from a restaurant, I think that's going to benefit the El Topo crew, now Teshika, in myriad ways, in, in ways that we can't even anticipate. So I'm I'm excited about this because because I love the food at El Topo. It's always been a little bit of a problem in how it's presented to people who don't already know it, right? Because to know it is to love it, but you got to yeah. get people in the door. And so it's getting getting over that initial reluctance Oh, this is Benji Levitt's new restaurant. That's going to get the neighborhood. So, I mean, I've, I've said this a lot. I've said this a few times. Just because you're a good cook or a good chef doesn't necessarily make you a good restaurateur. And it's the other way around, too. It's like you need to have both. You need to have someone that's an operator 
an operator, a restaurateur, and then also, you know, it's very few and far between that you have both. So I think that this is a really good partnership. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to topic number two, the burger joint, Sean Bermudez and Matt Pack's restaurant announced that its fourth location will open next year on Kirby Drive in a the former village plumbing space that conveniently is next to where Loro, the Asian smokehouse concept from the owners of Uchi, is going to open later this year. Linda, I know that's kind of a mouthful, but I and I and I know and I know how you feel about me telling you that something's not going to happen for a year. I really but, hate that. But just we'll do this one quick. What do you think about the burger joint? What what has allowed it to grow from one location in Montrose to three? Okay, first off, you of all people shouldn't even ask me this question because you already know the answer. You know everybody loves fucking burgers. Like everybody loves burgers. Like Houstonians love burgers. I mean, look at Burger Bodega. Look at that janky, janky Lankford still kicking. People still go to that burger place. Like, I think that Sean Bermudez is crazy, but I love him and I love what they've done. I mean, no matter what happens, Burger Joint is always is always popping. They're open late, which is unheard of anymore, especially during the pandemic. And I mean, he understood he understood his neighborhood. You have a lot you have a lot of bars, restaurants, single diners in Montrose. So it kind of like lifted up where other other places, you know, were, were picking up the slack. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with this next concept. But I, I love what those guys do. And I think that's all I think that's all well said. Right. It It's a, just a focus on getting the basics right. Like it's a good it's it's not a smash burger. It's not a steakhouse burger. It's like basically it's like if I asked you to draw a burger you would mm-hmm. probably your what you draw would look a lot like a burger joint burger. It's got a it's like a quarter pound ish, maybe a third pound patty. It comes with all the familiar toppings. The fries are good. The onion rings are good. The shakes are fantastic. They've got yeah. a fun selection of drinks. You know, a big spacious patio, and they'll meet you where you are. Like you said, they're open late. They're open for lunch. It's good to go. It's a fast Uber Eats if that's your angle. It's, it's just, it's, it's relatively affordable. It's just, it's, it's there. It's basically whenever you want a burger, burger joint is there and we'll serve you one. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and, and you know what? And like, there's, I mean, it's really like, we're done in hospitality to telling people no, like, sorry, boo-boo. You have an idea of what, how people should eat, drink, order, excuse my language, get fucked. Sorry. Like no more. You know what I mean? You say that you're not going to do Uber Eats. You're not. Well, okay, cool. Like good for you. Like let's see how you do. You have to accommodate your staff. You have to accommodate. I mean, hospitality is freaking already hard and it just got harder. So these guys make it easy to, they, they meet their customers where they need to be. So. No, absolutely. And you know, I, we posted, I posted this on the, Facebook page, you know, I saw some conversation about, oh, you know, uh, Hop Dottie and Shake Shack are just down the street in Rice Village. I, I mean, Shake Shack opened next door, essentially, yeah. to the original location of the burger joint. It didn't slow the burger joint down one bit. So, no, no. You know, Hop Dottie, Shake Shack, Christian's Tailgate is down the street. Good company. 
taquerias down the street. They have a great mesquite grilled hamburger that I, I've been eating for essentially my entire life. Like all worthy, but yeah. I, I don't worry about the burger joint doing well in that neighborhood at all because yeah. it is such a craveable burger and it is so consistently well executed and they're just, they're going to thrive there. I'm confident of that. Yeah, absolutely. And then topic number three, Counter Common Beer Works and Kitchen, a brew pub in Bel Air, announced that it is closing at the end of the month after only a year of operation. Linda, I, I, this this struck me as kind of a surprise because, you know, we look around, we see small breweries thriving all over the city in 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 Edo and the Heights and Garden Oaks and, and all these other places. It seemed like such a no-brainer that a brewery, a brew pub in Bel Air would do well, but Counter Common done after a year. What, what do you think it means? What, what do you take from that? Every time I looked at pictures of that place, it did not look welcoming. The lighting, fluorescent above lighting. Like it just, it looked like a big warehouse space to me online. The food looked good, but like there is too much competition for you not to be thoughtful in your design and people that understand the neighborhood. It's like, it just, it felt very soulless to me. Like as far as like media was concerned on, on, on what it looked like to me. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I do not going into places that don't have an understanding of lighting, music, like ambiance, like, there's too much stuff in Houston for you not to be not to be thoughtful in your design and in in what in what attracts people to come to your space. And I'm always like I'm a, I'm the, the first thing that I do when I walk into anywhere is what's the greet like, what's the music like, and what's the um, what's the lighting like. And if it looks like I'm about to get my yearly checkup, I don't want to go in there. You know, <laughs> fluorescent light lighting literally is so depressing, so depressing. And if you can't figure that out as an operator, sorry, Babu. Hopefully you've, you've got really good rent, but that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think that's part of it. I, I mean, I went for the first time a month or two ago and I was just struck by how big it was. I wasn't, you know, it's in that same strip center with Blood Brothers Barbecue and and Aya Sushi and, and Dandelion Cafe. And I just thought, I, I don't really know what I was expecting, but it felt, I mean, it easily had more than 200 seats in it. It just, it felt huge. And to be there at lunch and, and there's only like four or five other tables occupied, you feel like you're, it, it's just, it's a little bit uncomfortable. And, and then they open with this menu and they're trying to do Oh, we have some Asian stuff. We have some Mexican stuff, and we have burgers, and we have wings, and we have. It's like, it's like I. I mean, I understand like wanting to cater to a wide variety of cravings, but I also think like you need to be kind of focused. Like you need to be able to tell people, like, yeah, this is what we do. Yeah, and like, and like, and that's the thing. It's like Cafe TH had really, really, really great food, but that operator was a lunchtime person. That operator knew his clientele. His clientele was lunchtime really wonderful host fantastic like warm hospitality but like he can only do so much unless you have a following already 
Chris Shepard could open up a place that was 200 seats and fill because like that is his following. Like big rooms are hard, you know? And if you're going to have a big room like that, it's like breaking it up and, you know, and really understanding like the flow and how, 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 how big rooms make people feel. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of little things, you know, that all end up becoming one big thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. And, and, you know, I, I have to admit, I was not like fully dialed in on counter commons programming, but you know, every time Brock Wagner has been on the show, he talks about how St. Arnold has built a community. You know, they have one pot, they have art events, they have, charity runs they you know they're 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 out in the community they're always doing something because you know they know at the end of the day like yes they make delicious beer and that is at the core of what they do but people don't feel loyalty because the beer tastes good right they feel loyalty to a business that that they see in their community that supports things that are important to them and so you know i think especially with as you said with so many restaurants and so many choices, even even in Bel Air, which doesn't have as many choices, but but Mandito's just opened and Langford just opened, and we saw, you know, New York Eatery a few weeks ago closed on kind of a similar logic of trying to do too many things and not not really like knowing who its customers would be. And so I think it's unfortunate the counter common closed. I think they they deserved a longer runway. A year is just not is not that much time, but but I, I do kind of understand like why this didn't work out for them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it sucks. I mean, it really does. Cause like, it's, I mean, people are always like, Oh, well, you know, do you think you'll ever like open your own restaurant or bar? And I'm like, no, I would never do that. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> like, no, like I have a lot of, re- I have a lot of respect for my, for my industry, but man, it is a, you need a PR firm, you need a good designer, you need, you know what I mean? You need good playlists. You know, it's just, it's not just, it's, and honestly, Houston food is the freaking best. And there's a lot of room for a lot of us. Um, but you gotta, you gotta really know the beast, you know, whatever neighborhood. What's right. your, and, you may, and you may only get one or two visits from people in the neighborhood. And if they don't, if they don't love it right away, then they've got their old favorites and they're not, they're not coming back. They're not going to, they're not going to come back in six months and be like, Hey, I wonder if it's gotten better. It's like, they gave you, they gave you your shot. That's, that's all you get. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Linda, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about two places. The first is Citizens. This is the New York City-based Australian-inspired coffee shop and cafe that just opened on Lower Westheimer next to Velvet Taco. Regular listeners of this podcast will recall that I had one of its co-founders, Andrew Geisel, on the show recently. We talked about how Citizens got started and his decision opened in Houston and, and some of the the food that they serve and the, the drinks that they have. But but let me throw it to you. I mean, you are my friend that I eat breakfast with more than anyone else. So I know you like a good breakfast out. That neighborhood has no shortage of choices. Baby Barnaby's, Blacksmith, Common Bond, Snooze, et cetera, et cetera. Brazil. So what did you, <laughs> right. 
What did you What did you think of Citizens? Um, I honestly wanted to hate it. <laughs> I honestly wanted to hate it. I was like, oh, this freaking people from Australia, from you know, based out of New York, you're just gonna come in here and think you're gonna wa- wave your little flag. It was really good. I really liked it, honestly. Um, I love I love their menu on drinks and their food. The food wasn't like outrageous. Like it's something that's like comforting to me. Lots of little options. I don't like a giant monster breakfast because I want to come to see you once or twice a week. I'm a single. Like I like to have breakfast like one, a couple of times a week. Um, and so I don't want like a monstrosity of a, you know, like a big old snooze thing, you know, with covered with whatever, whatever, whatever. It's just, it's reasonable and the ingredients are good and they have this stuff called fluffy juice. It's basically like fluffy juice. That's all. That's the only thing I can tell yeah, you. They basically like, just put it in a blender and aerate it, right? I yeah. Mean, I yeah. It's, it's, it's a, yeah. It's like an aerated, it's an aerated juice, right? Um, beautiful texture, the coffee prices are not outrageous. There's nothing worse than me walking in somewhere and I look at the thing and you're like, oh, $7 for your latte. I'm like, wow, like, okay, heard. I mean, that's fine. You can do that. But everything's like very reasonable and it's got good vibes. You can get an Aperol spritz or a espresso martini or a fluffy juice. I like a lot of options. I'm a thirsty girl. Yeah, it's um, it's not a meal with you unless you have three different drinks in front of you. That's absolutely. <laughs> All right. What was what was your favorite thing that you tried? Um, I really like their little locks, pickled red onion. You know, I'm you know, I'm a sucker for anything with pickled red onion. Uh it was like a little rye locks situation. Delicious, delightful with these gorgeous po- poached eggs. And then the um the operator came by and had me taste Vegemite. So they have a little What's it called? They have a little Vegemite sampling. It's like a little, little side of like a tasting of Vegemite. I'm like, that's cute. I like that. I'm into that kind of stuff. Like rack up my bell with stupid, with stupid odds and ends. Cool. Hit me, you know? Exactly. Right. Just, just like a little, you know, just like in the song, right. You're like, Oh, you know, they come from a land down under. So they must have, yeah. or they must have Vegemite. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say, I, I mean, I will say I went, I, I went at their invitation just kind of by myself, just on a whim. Uh, they'd only been open for a day or two. And and like you, I was like, oh, you know, like I had a feeling it was going to be pretty good because, I mean, restaurants in New York City, it's an incredibly competitive marketplace. They had to be doing something right to get to three locations. But I, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I like the food. You know, smashed avocado toast is is all good things. You know, that's a that's an Australian classic. They've got a good version of it. They do banana bread. French toast. They make the banana bread in house, and then they griddle it, which, and they serve it with caramelized bananas, which is just like one of those crazy things where you you sort of look at it and you go like, why, why hasn't anyone served this to me before? Like, why has it never occurred to me that crispy banana bread with crunchy, delicious caramelized banana would make for a very excellent breakfast? Obviously, it's sweet and obviously it's kind of carby, but like. You know, when you do want that more indulgent option, it's there for you. And then just for fun, I I tried the burger and, you know, I eat a lot of burgers. I love, I love a good burger. This is a good burger. It's, it's hearty. It's, it's two quarter pound patties 
they may, they've got some brisket in the grind. And, and so, you know, like, I mean, I love a smash burger, but I also like a burger. You can really like sink your teeth into that feels like I mean, a meal. I mean, and this is, and this is that, I mean, it, it very much has that, like, it's, it's a full meal. It's a, it's yeah. a real commitment. Yeah, no, they, I, I really, I, I think, you know, like they're, it's the menu's not too big. And I mean, I don't know what time they close or anything like that. Cause that's not what I do for a living. Well, they close at six. I'll, I'll tell you that they're only oh. open for breakfast and lunch. And then kind of, oh. you could do like a happy hour of shindig. They're not open for dinner. Oh, okay. Well, great. Um, and I think, you know, we ended up talking, I, I ended up talking to the um, owner slash operator. And I think he wants to get looped into a little bit more of like cool pop-ups, you know, maybe later on once they're settled and stuff like that, which who doesn't love a good pop-up? <laughs> right. Well, and they have that flexibility where if they wanted to host something in the evenings, they do close at six. So they, yeah, you know, they, they could provide a chef with a kitchen for some sort of seated dinner and the space does look good. You know, it's not, it's not like the fanciest interior, but it's comfortable and it's clean and it's bright and it yeah. sort of checks all those boxes. And, and so, and they have Wi-Fi and plugs and all that stuff. So if you want to, if you want to just settle in and, and get some work done, that's available to you. Oh, you know, it's just, I mean, in all honesty, with all this like pleasantry, such nice things we have to say for everyone today. My goodness. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. All right. Well, speaking of nice things, I also want to talk to you about Musafir. This is the Indian fine dining restaurant in the Galleria. Obviously it opened in, May of 2020, and we've talked about it on the show a few times, but, you know, they invited us to come for a, a revisit. It had been a while since uh, since I had been in. I, I don't know about you, but it had, it had been more than a year since my last meal there. And, you know, Chef Mayank just ran us through his, he's got a, a new tasting menu for the season. He ran us through all of that, plus some other dishes. You know, I don't, I don't know that we need to go course by course, but, but what stood out, what stood out for you? From our okay, look. First off, they crushed us, crushed us with food. Like, I think it's irresponsible to be sending out that much food. By the way, BTW, <laughs> homies, homies. Well, it's, not, it's not your decision, but fair. I enough. mean, I understand. I mean, I I get it. I get what you're trying to do, boo boo. But you just crushed us. But that's just my only like. I shake my fist at you. Why would you do that to us? You know what I mean? Um, but okay. But regardless, that's just a, a mini, mini irk. Um, the food was really fantastic. We had the most delightful fish and coconut curry situation. And there, that kitchen is, is top notch. I love the, I, I honestly, I love the variety of different people that are eating there. I love to see really, really great diversity in dining rooms with like, also with the, with the guests and, and the, the staff and everything. Like it's just, it's such wonderful diversity, the flavors, the food, everything was really, really, really fantastic. I, I personally just thought that like, I'm like, are we doing tasting menu? I would, where, where do we start? You know, so on and so forth. And there's like, there's things that are really great that are all by themselves, like small little dishes, but I really love their shareable things. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, just, just looking back through my pictures from that night, 
it's the basic stuff, right? It's that that kind of savory macaroon that's topped with caviar that you get as like a an amuse bouche. It's the it's the pani puri with the the tuna inside and the uni on top. You know, that's that's such a no brainer for me. You're you're right. That fish molly, that sea bass with the coconut curry, so satisfying, so familiar, so delicious. The lamb chop, really nicely cooked. Tandoori chicken taco, the 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 dumpling with the just I mean everything that we had was was so tasty. And I loved and I loved the cocktails. A yeah, lo- say, I loved- say a little more about that because it because it really is one of the more sophisticated cocktail programs in the city. Oh yeah, I mean beautiful ice, lots of uh. I mean honestly, I just hey look, everybody knows the the drink of the drink of choice for most most of America um a margarita will always be like the king right always even when I when I used to do like consulting for for big brands it's always going to be you're you're always going to you're always going to do well with a margarita but what I really love about that program in particular is that they use a lot of really wonderful ingredients that are really tuned in to what they're already using in the kitchen I love that I love those styles of um, menus that really match and mirror uh, the menu, the menu and the food. There's nothing worse. You freaking walk in somewhere and the, the drinks do not match the food. It's like, did you just not think about what you're using in the kitchen? Like, like, I guess you don't care, you know, <laughs> like, um, but uh, we, we had a couple of different drinks. I mean, honestly, I would love to hear more people talk to me about what what they're liking at at that restaurant because it's like they do have a cute happy hour. They do a lot of like late later late night evenings, which I think that's kind of lends more of like the cocktail more cocktail atmosphere. So um, I think it's thoughtful. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's right. And you talk about music and lighting and service, and and you know our server was super knowledgeable and and explain the menu and, and could tell you about all the individual dishes. And of course, Chef Mayank was, was very accommodating, very welcoming. But so let me ask you the hard question, right? You said, you said you want to hear about other people's experiences at Musafer, which we can't do. But what I would like to ask you about is that you and I went to March a couple months ago and had a very elegant, very refined tasting menu in really one of the like, you know, this, this custom built dining room with custom furniture and, and unbelievable wine pairings and, and, and all that. So let me just, let me just ask you, if someone says to you, Hey, I've got about 200 bucks a person plus tax and tip to spend on a special occasion meal. You know, you did the tasty menu at Musafa, you did the tasty menu at March. Where are you going? I mean, it just depends. I'll be honest with you that it, that it just depends on who I'm going to go eat with. <laughs> if I'm having, if this is a, if the, again, it's, I'm, I'm talking about if I'm going to be sitting, eating and drinking with four or five people, I'm going to do Musafer. There's more flavors. There's more things to try. I wouldn't do the tasting menu. Honestly, I would do the, I would do the other, the other menu. And I think that March still is the king of tasting menus i i mean also the timing not everybody can land timing and i don't necessarily know 
because we didn't have a normal tasting menu format. And so um, I think, yeah, March is still king. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, I think that's fair, but, but I do think that, 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 that I can even ask that question speaks very well of the quality of the experience at, at Musafir, that they're, this is, this is a very sophisticated restaurant that's, that's plain operated at a, at a very high level. And if you want those bigger, bolder flavors, if you want that really exuberant dining room and the beautiful cocktails, you, that, that it's a reasonable choice as an alternative to any other fine dining restaurant in the city that we could talk about. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'll like, I would probably go to Musafir with a set of like, I would probably go to them a couple more times more just based on the fact that you could have such a crazy myriad of different flavors every single time. Right. You're going to March on a date or for like a special occasion, you're going to Musafir with your rowdy bartender friends and you're going to crush that. You're going to crush that lamb chop. You're going to crush that steak. You're going to eat that fish dish. You know, yeah. you're going to have all the, the wonderful housemade nons and then the beautiful desserts. And you're just going to go and drink all the, the, the beautiful drinks. And you're just going to be like, we had a, we had a badass dinner tonight. Yeah, exactly. All right, Linda, I'm going to say that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. All right. I'll see you soon. That does it for today's episode of What's Eric Eating? Join me on Thursday when my guest will be Chris Shepard, where we'll talk about the Southern Smoke Foundation, life after underbelly hospitality, and a very exciting announcement.